0: Hello,
1: and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 74 with Joseph Marcos and Joseph Pievenu.
0: This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. So yeah, so uh, we're back for episode uh, episode seventy four here, and uh, we've been we've been clocking in. We're about damn we're we're almost we're almost to our silver anniversary of the episode
1: <laughs> so,
0: coming up soon. But uh, so I I guess you've been you just started your new semester.
1: Yeah, the, the school year's been been starting up a little bit. It's, it's going good. It's going good. New new crop of creative writing students. So you do creative writing every semester. Yeah, it's you, a it's a year long course. It's a year long course. Okay, because we put the magazine together the second half of the year too. That's right. So, is it juniors, seniors? It's whoever wants to take it. It's just an elective that anyone who has space can take it. It's usually mostly, I would say, it's mostly sophomores and seniors. I think most juniors don't have room in their schedule. Sometimes you have some juniors in there, but okay, most juniors don't have room in their schedule. Yeah, then, I, would I know say. freshmen. Well, freshmen, I don't think have any room to take electives. Yeah. Most of the time, but so, yeah, it's mostly sophomores and seniors.
0: Sophomores and seniors, interesting.
1: And one of the
0: things I know that is a really easy access point, I think not just for not just for your students, but I think for people in general, a lot of people
1: is sonnets, the form of the sonnet. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny, right? Sonnets have such a long tradition and they don't die, right? Like even the people who kind of purport to hate them, write some sonnets, right?
0: Well, the sonnet has kind of been redefined, though, right? I mean, isn't that kind of where...
1: Yeah, well, so yeah, I mean, that's part of what we do when we go through it. We look at traditional sonnets, like your Petrarchan and English sonnets, with your rhyme schemes and everything, but then we look at modern sonnets that tend to not really have meter anymore, and certainly don't have rhyme schemes, even the ones that have meter... But, that, but people change it in all kinds of different ways. But then that's also, I think, always been part of the sonnet form. Like, we think of sonnets as being 14 lines. But even in traditional sonnets, not all of them were 14 lines. Some had more lines, some had less. It's never been a totally rigid form. But I just think that maybe the period that we think of kind of like the height of sonnets it w- was maybe a little more rigid... And that's kind of what people are stuck thinking about it as. My
0: first published poems. In Jabberwocky, (laughs) UMass Amherst. Well, I guess we could say that that's partially published. The undergrad English journal. Yeah, yeah. Blind judging. We definitely. You did. So they were sonnets. I did. I did. I did. uh, I'm gonna try to find them. I I forget. I kind of remember what their title, but I'm gonna try to look them up. But it was a pair of companion sonnets. Where it was, I wrote one sonnet, and, and and then it was a response to this the sonnet. Cool.
1: Yeah. To, I, yeah. Pull those up. Two of the poems I remember publishing in my high school literary magazine were sonnets. Nice. But like traditional sonnets with rhyme and meter and everything. So
0: let's, let's talk about them, Because I, I, remember, I remember being um, a, a sophomore or a junior and taking poetry creative writing workshops. And I remember, you know, my teacher being very future-forward. Yeah, yeah. One of my teachers was very future-forward, and he was very much into breaking the doors down. Whereas another one of my teachers was very much into sort of like a little bit more quietude and a little bit more new formalism. Uh-huh. And I think that a sonnet as an exercise for any young writer, if, you're, if there's a young writer listening... Or even as a device, if you don't know what to do, you're stuck on something. You could write a sonnet. I like I like the puzzle aspect of sonnets. There's, it's a puzzle, right? Especially a, a, a sonnet that's sort of written in meter and has this sort of specific rhyme scheme. I don't think that as a, as a writer. I think if you're a writer and you and you're a poet and you say that you've never written sonnet, I think that that's I think you need to write
1: the sonnet. Well, yeah. I mean, I think anytime you're writing in some kind of constraint, it's kind of fun because you have to figure out how to make that work in some kind of way. And and it's thrilling when you figure something out. You're like, ah, I figured out how to make that fit into this form that I'm doing. And sonnets are maybe... I don't know. I think there's a reason why sonnets have always been a pretty popular form because, yes, they're pretty constrained in some way, but even if you're writing a traditional sonnet iambic pentameter is pretty easy pretty easy to hit in english right (laughs) like you have some sense of what that rhythm feels like it's not you don't even have to think about it that much you just maybe i gotta count syllables a little bit but that's about all you're gonna have to do really and the rhymes because of the way that both of the major rhyme schemes that people usually use are are pretty easy to do too uh and then it's just like playing around with playing around with it? it Well, like new, for- I
0: mean, this is like this idea of new formalism, right? I mean, we can have it. We can have a, a new, you know, I mean, how old is the sonnet? The sonnet is...
1: Well, I think it goes back to like, because what, it, it was an Italian form first, right? I want to say, oh, let's see if I'm going to guess right. I was going to say 1300s, but I'm not really sure about that. What does it say on our little sheet here? I think it might tell us. The Petrarchan sonnet? It might tell us on that other one. Doesn't say. I mean, Petrarch- I could be wrong, but I was thinking it was like the thirteen hundreds. Petrarchan for the Italian sonnets, and then I think English sonnets. You know, in English, English is later, right? Yep. I mean, we've you're got all sorts like of classes. Fifteen hundreds in English, right? I think is really when you're starting to get into that. Um, like the Romantics and uh, and uh, they were all into
0: they were all into sonnets, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and it kept going for a long time.
0: Sometimes I think when I read, when I've read, like, Wordsworth's Wordsworth's words, work, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like just strings of sonnets on end. Almost.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's using steam. the same meter, and then, I don't know, I guess maybe his his pattern. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. It was a little earlier, 1200s, really, in Italy mid twelve hundreds is kind of like the beginning of Italian sonnets, but yeah thirteen hundreds I think would still be the height right that's when you have like Dante and Petrarch,
0: yeah, I wonder what it came out of what do you think it came out of a memory thing, the ability to remember the lines easier is it is it is it did it come out of a, a dramatic monologue thing, a play type thing
1: well, I mean, I wonder I mean well soneto is little song, right, but it does seem like most sonnets the speaker is directly talking to someone and then later on maybe something but you know usually they're directly talking to someone which is not even in a time period where i think most poems didn't usually do that sonnets did right and i think maybe that's why there's so many love sonnets perhaps right there are a lot
0: of love sonnets
1: so you have any uh do you have any like favorite Traditional sonnets.
0: Well, I don't know. I was gonna I, I kinda like this uh, I was remembering this one sonnet that a uh, Keats wrote. That, uh, this on on first looking into Chapman's Homer. Which is just like such a funny title. Yeah, that's a it's a great that's a great one, yeah. Keats, I'm gonna read this one here for you. Much have I travelled in the realms of gold and many goodly states and kingdoms seen. Round many western islands have I been. Which bards in Felty to Apollo hold. Oft of one wide expanse had I been told that deep browed Homer ruled as his domain, yet did I never breathe its pure serene till I heard Chapman speak out loud and bold. Then felt I like some watcher of the skies when a new planet swims into his ken. Or like stout Cortez, when with eagle eyes he starred at the specific and all his men looked at each other with a wild surmise,
1: silent upon a peak in Darien. Yeah, that's a good one. I think people who are good at writing sonnets, like in the traditional sense, the rhyme is not oppressive. Right? It's like it's not present at all You almost don't notice it To some extent right? Because it feels very natural And there's usually some kind of slant ones in there Scene, bin right? Domain, serene Where you get this kind of There's enough variation in that That it doesn't feel like this super rhymey thing I always think it's so weird, though, right? I don't think now anyone would pick up Chapman's translations. No way. And be like, oh, this is, this is great. is great Homer. But it's, a, it's weird to think that Keats was like, oh, this is eye-opening. What a great translation this oh, is. It's been
0: the thing of the time.
1: But I guess, but also if you think of, if you read the older translations, I guess comparatively...
0: I mean, I guess maybe it was just like the new book on the shelf for him,
1: you know, the new the new book. Well, and reading reading the Odyssey in any translation is still a pretty good good read, even if it's not the greatest translation. <laughs> but not to take us take us away from here, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, so
0: I mean, there's so many, you know, sonnets that are celebrated. You know, I think, but Keats
1: uh, didn't write too many sonnets, did he? I can't think of. He has this, and he be has. A he wrote some odes. Or any he has of a bunch of odes. Sonnets. I don't know if any any, I don't know if any of those are sonnets. I'm trying to think if he has any others or not. He yeah. might, but I can't think of them. Hmm. There's like all sorts of
0: sonnets that are famous. You know, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had to remember. I had we had to memorize "How Do I Love The" in high in high school. We had tests test on it. We had to recite it.
1: But yeah, I mean that's a cool thing too. Memorizing poems in general is nice, but I think memorizing sonnets is nice because you get that you get that feeling of the rhythm and that. Scheme. Well,
0: this one, right? I mean, this is just such a famous song. I'm, this is just like, and it's so over the top, you know? But it's like, it's like, we look at this stuff as so over the top, but like, was it over the top back then? How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight. For the ends of being an ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with the love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall love thee better after death. Yeah, there's
1: definitely like this whole tradition of these like very ecstatic love poems, right? Definitely. Definitely. I mean I think that there's like
0: a convenience to like brevity there's like a form there's like a feeling to the brevity of silence it's like it's like just enough you know what i mean it's like just enough
1: well and there it, there's like this feeling of how it how it moves too right because there's like i mean it's funny right i mean I, it is coming out of that singing tradition and i think that's part of the love part of it too but also like there's almost like you you can feel when, the, when that turn is coming, right? You can feel that part where it's going to turn. It always kind of happens in the same place. It's almost like a rhythmic thing, too, right? Like, you can feel the sonnet about to turn, which is a nice part of it, for sure. You know, there's, like, some poets that I don't even particularly like in general, but I like some of their sonnets. Gerard Manley Hopkins... Good poet. Not one of my favorites. I gotta say, most of them kind of bore me, uh, most of his poetry. But some of his sonnets are so good. Pied Beauty has always been one of my favorites. I see that one. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll read that one. Read that one. Pied Beauty. Glory be to God for dappled things, For skies of couple color as a brinded cow, For rose moles all in stipple upon trout that swim, fresh fire coal, chestnut falls, finches' wings, landscape plotted and pieced, fold fallow and plow, and all trades, their gear and tackle and trim, all things counter, original, spare, strange, whatever is fickle, freckled, who knows how, with swift, slow, sweet, sour, a dazzle, dim, he fathers forth, whose beauty is past change. Praise him! You know, and it's this ostensibly religious poem in some case, but it's it in is, some ways. But it's this like it's really like a poem about the all the about nature, right? Like all the wonderful things it's a in nature. Poem, yeah, though. it's like kind of like. But I also just love the sounds in it. It's just got all these great, almost tongue twistery. He definitely
0: of. goes into that sort of like symbol, symbol, semblance, some semblance. Yeah.
1: Sibilance. Oh but, well, yeah, maybe, but it gets. I mean, it's almost hard to read, right? It gets very some some nice repetition of sounds that are almost hard to say.
0: Swift, slow, sweet, sour, dazzle, dim.
1: And it's pretty show stopping with the sounds for sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a commodity of language that's going on, I think, in uh, in uh, sonnets. You know what I mean?
1: Well, yeah, I don't... There's could, not a lot of could, room for bullshit. Could he have written that if it weren't in a sonnet form? I don't think so. It would not have been really. looser, right? Like, there's something... Yeah, there's something inherently tightening that happens in that sonnet form. Because it's... Yeah. It's like a little case or something, right? Yeah,
0: you, you don't have a lot of room to play. I mean, you have room to play, but you have just enough room to play... And also, if there's like a weak—that's the—that's another thing I think about sonnet. If there's a weak line or two, it's going to show.
1: Yeah, it's true. You can't really get away with it too much. Although there's some bad sonnets, but well, of course, there's a lot of bad of everything. But yeah, I think it's—I think it's more obvious. You're right because it's like just some ugly seam in the thing. Let's see, in our packet here, we have a little bit more imagist
0: work, a little more modernist work.
1: Maybe if we're going to read one last. So maybe that's almost like a transition point of. We're going to get into some of the more modern sonnets, but like maybe we need to maybe maybe we need to read this. This Yates, because this was a famous sonnet. His lead and the swan, and it's a great sonnet. But it's still in the traditional form to some extent. I think there's something different he did, but it's mostly in a, a traditional form. It's got a basic rhyme scheme, but it's very modern feeling at the same time. It's almost like a tr- transition to the people who start losing parts of the form. Sure. Lead in the Swan. You want to try reading that one? The Gates piece. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what—a great myth, weird myth—and a strange subject I mean, to choose a for a sonnet. I don't know the myth. So this is one of Jupiter, Zeus's many like weird transforming into an animal to rape someone, but and is a famous, uh, famous subject of paintings in the Renaissance, especially of, of Zeus as a swan um with Leda, right? And then the <laughs> her children were Castor and Pollux. Ah. And then Helen of Troy. Yeah. But I think in some versions of the myth at least instead of being born normally because of Zeus being a swan, they're they're hatched from eggs.
0: Well, that would be interesting. <laughs>
1: to be hatched from an egg. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the, the, the TV
0: show, popular TV show. Morgan uh, and Mindy, yeah. He was remember, an egg, remember yeah. he had an egg and then it, and then it grew yeah. into a full-size of human and then it popped. It was Jonathan Winters
1: was his kid. <laughs> uh, I forgot that. I mean, I, remember, remember, the egg? I remember the egg, but I, I forgot what the conclusion of that out. was. Yeah, yeah. was man, I forgot what the conclusion of that was. It was really good.
0: Was, I remember that being really funny. He was his son. Lita and the Swan by William Butler Yeats. A sudden blow, the great wings beating still above the staggering girl, her thighs caressed by the dark webs, her nape caught in his bill. He holds her helpless, breast upon his breast. How can those terrified, vague fingers push the feathered glory from her loosening thighs? And how can body laid in the white rush? But feel the strange heart beating where it lies. A shudder in the loins engenders there, The broken wall, the burning roof and tower, And Agamemnon dead. Being so caught up, so mastered by the brute blood of the air, Did she put on his knowledge with his power Before the indifferent
1: beak could let her drop? It feels like, like a very modern treatment of that subject, though. Yeah. Ways, yeah.
0: he asks. You know what's interesting about this one, too, is he asks him three questions.
1: You know? Yeah, that's true, which is nice. I, almost, I wonder, because I, I, I guess I don't know enough, there might even be an answer to this question. It, um, I can almost imagine him, like, sitting in an art museum looking at one of these paintings of this so as he's writing this.
0: You know? I could, too. So this might be an ekphrastic
1: It might be, yeah. Sign. It
0: might be. Yeah, I could totally see that, because this is almost this is very meditative on a painting.
1: It feels like it, right? I mean, the way that he sees the scene... I mean, he could have imagined that, I suppose, but it seems very much like looking at one of those sort of beautiful but contrived positionings of one of those paintings right I can imagine like the swan with her nape in his beak right like that that whole thing it seems very much like one of those paintings it seems
0: picturesque totally yeah I wonder hmm maybe we can look that up see if there's a lead on the swan is there a lead on the swan painting
1: there's, there like many, there's many, there's lead many leading Swan paintings. That's why I'm saying maybe he was, but I don't know, I don't know if that's actually something that is known about this poem or not. It might be. Someone who's a Yeats scholar may know. Uh, there may be papers on that, for all I know. I haven't, I haven't looked into it. But yeah, there's many, many paintings of lead in the Swan. It's one of the more popular classical subjects to, to do paintings of.
0: Oh yeah, I think he, he probably almost... He, he, he The best of Lita and the Swan paintings. There's that many
1: that there's a best of list on
0: there, right? Well, you know, I mean goddamn these are, these are these are pretty graphic paintings.
1: Well and that's the other thing that I think he captures well here, right? It's very it does still seem very horrific in some way, right? It's not. It's not romanticized. I mean, it seems like a rape. It doesn't seem like. There's parts of it that maybe are a little romanticized. But how can those terrified, vague fingers push the feathered glory from loosening thighs? Feathered glory is weird. But you know, we have her trying to push away. And Paul Cezanne even does a lead on the swamp painting. Really? Yeah. Pretty
0: interesting. Pretty pretty funny. Just pretty basic. Oh yeah. Pretty basic.
1: Yeah, I could totally see it. That's soundtrack. more like he just did a painting and then just stuck a swan in there. Stuck a swan <laughs> in your hand.
0: I guess we would have to know a little bit more about when Yeats would have sort of written this poem.
1: I'm sure there's an answer to that. I just don't know it. But there's, but it's. I think it's kind of an interesting poem as a sonnet because you're right. It, on some levels, it's... It's uh, following the, the traditional form of a sonnet, right? We've got that rhyme scheme and everything going on. It's basically in meter, but there, yeah. The question thing I think is kind of innovative. You don't generally have that many questions in, in older sonnets that you see.
0: I mean, speaking you have some,
1: or you might start with a question, but not, yeah. He's speaking to the reader, you know. It's like asking certainly, the yeah. Question.
0: And that's like admitting that he doesn't know. I mean, this is why I think it's almost. Almost, definitely, an, like, frastic piece. You know, because he's asking these sort of questions. It's something an observer... Something an observer of another piece would do.
1: Yeah, it does feel like that, right? Something yeah. an
0: observer would do. You know, what do you see? This is what I see. Is this what's happening to me?
1: That's a pretty famous famous sonnet.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, and I guess Yeats sort of signals in sort of this modernist era...
1: Yeah, and then we start to get people really kind of playing with the form a bit more, leaving elements of it behind. And I don't know, I wonder who is the first I wonder who the first poet was to write an unrhymed sonnet. If someone even knows such a thing, who it would be. But you start getting some people doing unrhymed sonnets. But then you also have people like, well, I guess we shouldn't skip over Berryman. Nope. Because Berryman is much later. But he's still kind of following the traditional forms. But because of his subject matter, it's he's using the traditional form about very modern things. There's a whole lot of drinking in there, as I recall.
0: Are the dream songs sonnets? I don't think they are. No, they're, they're,
1: not. Yeah, they're
0: not. They're not. They're so close, though, or something.
1: Yeah, the dream songs are a little bit late. I think he wrote the sonnets first, and then dream songs came later. So it kind of makes sense. I think some that got him to dream songs in some way, yeah. right? For a long, for the longest time, it used to actually be—that's not true anymore—but it used to be really difficult to get a copy of Berryman's sonnets, like the full thing. There were some that were anthologized, but it had gone out of print, and no one, no one was publishing it anymore, and it was fairly difficult to find used copies of the old, the old uh, sonnets for some reason. Before the age of the internet. For the age of the internet, well, no, even po- I mean, internet had begun. I remember I had a friend who was very, very into Berryman's sonnets. He liked them a lot, and in our all of our wanderings of used bookstores, he was always looking out for another copy because he had one, but you know, to be able to give to other people, and they were very hard to come by.
0: I would say this is a new formless piece for sure.
1: Yeah, but at
0: the same time, some really cool content. You yeah, want to, he does. You want to some, read that one? Yeah, this is
1: I I don't know uh, this I don't know why I picked this one in particular, but it's a good one. This is Sonnet 13 by John Berryman. I lift lift you 5 states away your glass, wide of this bar you never graced where none ever I know came, where what work is done even by these men I know not, where a brass police car sign peers in, wet strange cars pass. Soiled hangs the rag of day out over this town, a jukebox brains air where I drink alone. The spruce barkeep sports a toupee. Alas, my glass I lift at six o'clock, my darling, as you plotted. Chinese couple shift in bed. We shared today, not even filthy weather. Beasts in the hills, their tigrish love are snarling. Suddenly they clash. I blow my short ash red. Gray eyes, light, and we have our drink together.
0: That's an example of one that, to me, when you, I mean, I followed the, my eyes followed the poem on the page a little bit, but that's one to me that, like, you can't really tell it's a sonnet.
1: I mean, you can tell loosely, but if you're... if you're... Now you almost have to look at it to see that yeah. it is. But part of that's just because he's using such, like, everyday speech kind of stuff going on. To some extent, although he inverts word order some in there, too. And there's internal
0: rhyme and different things going on.
1: And the subject matter. I mean, I guess you just hear he's a drinking at a bar. Yep. So, and you're talking about smoking a cigarette and the bartender having a toupee and all this, so... But it's also, on the other, outside of the form, it's also very traditional in that it's doing what so many sonnets always did. It's a straight-up love poem. He's talking to his love, right? And they're separated, you know? There's
0: a predominance of love poems, sonnets. Definitely.
1: But Berryman's great, and his sonnets are wonderful. In some ways, I kind of like his sonnets better than dream songs a little bit, but...
0: Dream songs is weird. Dream
1: songs is good, it's but good yeah.
0: It. That was one of those books. Dream songs was one of those books that, like, I read. I read like eighty of them, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" I finally got it, you know. I, yeah, I, I didn't yeah. And start from the beginning again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you don't quite really get what he's doing until like it's like it takes you forty or fifty. Of the
1: well, it's like a real series. Like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It teaches you how to read it
0: as you totally, go through it, yeah. it Anna, yeah. I can remember hitting the point. I'm like, oh, i got to go back to the beginning again because I need to see all these like, Easter eggs that he was planning along the way. Yeah, understand yeah. understand what's going on here. Um, and then, I don't know. I think that there's, uh, I mean, is there anybody who just throws the f-
1: rules? Up? Well, people start throwing the rules away. I mean, most famously, I think when people think about that, I think people think about Ted Berrigan, right? But he was certainly not the first one to do that. But uh, well, I
0: think De- I think Derek Walcott's playing with form more.
1: Yeah, with Derek Walcott's stuff is is interesting. He's got some formal elements going on, but he's certainly not following the traditional form. Uh,
0: Visually, the way it's broken up into trophies and the way it's just not really organized.
1: The one I was surprised about that I didn't realize even wrote sonnets was E. e. Cummings.
0: I saw that one here in this packet, and I had no idea that he even wrote a sonnet.
1: And that one's actually real interesting, because it doesn't follow the... He has, he has a few of them, actually. That's not his only one. I think there was at least three or four of them that he wrote. But it doesn't follow... It certainly doesn't rhyme. But the way that he uses the, the end words, there's a lot of slant rhyme, and it almost feels like a traditional sonnet. And then you look at it, and you're like, Oh, but it doesn't follow the sonnet form at all.
0: This is the Cummings, The Trick of Finding What You don't, Didn't Lose. Yeah, The Trick of Finding What You Didn't Lose. That's the one that we have in there. That one's good. The Trick of Finding What You Didn't Lose by E.E. E. Cummings. The Trick of Finding What You Didn't Lose existing's tricky, but to live's a gift. The Teachable Impostor of Always Arriving at the Place You Never Left. And I refer to thinking rests upon a dismal misconception, namely that Some neither ape nor angel called a man is measured by his quote IQ unquote Much better than which every woman who's, despite the ultra-machinations of some loveless infra-world, a woman knows And certain men quite possibly may have, shall we say, guessed We shall, quoth Gifted she And played the hostess To my more than me (laughs) Man, what is he really saying?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know I think I do have a hard time getting Cummings is so cryptic There's some nice little things But I don't know So, okay We got this whole idea Of the trick of finding What you didn't lose, right? Arriving at a place You never left (laughs) I like that Yeah. And then he's got this idea that it's a misconception to think that human beings are measured by their intelligence. By their intelligence, yeah. Right, is the idea. Um, Because, you know, we're saying man, neither ape nor angel, something in between, right? But that women somehow know better than men do. Yep. Yep. What exactly, I don't know, I guess that thing that he realized that that's a misconception... That you can judge people by intelligence. And that they deign to some some woman, some unnamed woman, deigns to, like, uh, give him her time. Is that kind of what's happening at the end?
0: I can't quite follow that last part. It's really confusing.
1: <laughs> but it's real interesting as a sonnet. Definitely. And Think- You see what I'm saying? Like even though it's not rhyming there's these weird repeated sounds it almost feels like it is even though it's not
0: totally that's cummings he's very he's wordsmithy he's very crafty with well there's
1: those repetitious sounds even when they're not rhyming like the gift left not a rhyme but because of the ft thing it kind of sounds almost we've got that repetition right yeah upon man well that doesn't rhyme but there's something similar in those sounds right Yeah. Well,
0: you know, I mean, Cummings is kind of like a middle. It's kind of like a a middle century, mid-century modern piece, I think. You know. Yeah, but that's very Cummings. I mean, it's very so Cummings. It's very
1: Cummings, but I never think of him as a sonnet writer, and uh, I don't think when people talk about non-traditional sonnets that they think of Cummings necessarily most of the time. Couple. We got a couple of Ted Berrigan's here in this package, and Berrigan's the one, right? Like that's he. Uh, he, I think Ted Berrigan's someone that we think that of pretty series, quickly. Right? Yeah, because it because it being a whole book, and because of it really being a real series of sonnets, like people think of him as being one of the first ones to just be like, I'm calling a poem with fourteen lines a sonnet, even though it doesn't really have a whole lot else going on. That's, that's a part, part of book. the traditional form.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that also that also just reminds me of like Kerouac saying, you know, I'm going to write some American haikus. Yeah, you know
1: what I mean. Yeah, we're just like, yeah, these don't really quite fall in, but they also are kind of they work. Yeah, but it's also part of that time form. period too, right? Like that's part of the thing. Like, how are we going to take these traditional forms and make them into yeah, a them. new thing, like a new form, right? And he doesn't follow any sort of line length or rhyme scheme or just fourteen lines. No, they're just fourteen lines, right?
0: Again, kind of a nice little sandwich of a poem. Nice little bite size, you know.
1: Yeah, but I think even though in some ways he ostensibly does not have much of a form, it still contains him a little bit. And Definitely. That's something. I mean, even just that small act of like, okay, I'm gonna limit myself to fourteen lines. And 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 I think there's some line length constraint, right, to some extent. I mean they're not incredibly long lines no they're not perfect like pentameter or something but they're but they're all kind of the mostly the length you would expect for a sonnet although some are are much shorter but i think most of them i think would be kind of the length of line you would expect for a sonnet right so maybe there's that at least remaining in the form
0: and he has some rhyming off rhyme stuff going on yeah it's not totally off the charts
1: all right let's hear one let's hear one This is sonnet number three. Stronger than alcohol, more great than song. Deep in whose reeds great elephants decay. I an island sail and my shoes toss on a fragrant evening fraught with sadness, bristling hate. It's true I weep too much. Dawns break, slow kisses on the eyelids of the sea. What other men sometimes have thought they've seen. And since then I've been bathing in the poem Lifting her shadowy flowers up for me And hurled by hurricanes to a birdless place The waving flags nor passed by prison ships Oh, let me burst and I be lost at sea And fall on my knees then, womanly
0: It still has... Uh, I, I like it sort of like hat tip to more... Traditional
1: sonnets, although it's not a traditional sonnet, it definitely harkens back to. And that one maybe more than than many of them because it does have the repeated e e e.
0: Yeah, he fell into He fell yeah. into a
1: cadence there, sound, but it's
0: not the same. The
1: other lines don't, but he there's a bunch of those. Yeah, yeah,
0: he plays with it a few times. Um, when I think of a po- I mean, when I think of a poet who's just pretty much out there. And as, as a reverend, as a poet can be, she kind of reminds us to be reverent. Um, Bernadette Mayer. Yeah, Bernadette, yeah. It's good. It's nice, you know. It's like, it's cool to be reminded that you can do a lot of things on the page. Um, she's got this one that's called Incandescent War Poem Sonnet. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Incandescent War Poem Sonnet by Bernadette Mayer. Even before I saw the chambered Nautilus, I wanted to sail not in the U.S. Navy. Tonight, I'm waiting for you, your letter at the same time, his letter, the view of you, by him, and then by me in the park. No rhymes. I saw you. This is in prose. No, it's not. Sitting with the mollusks in anemone in an empty autumn enterprise, baby, you look pretty. With your long, eventual hair. Is love king? What's this? A sonnet? Love's a babe, we know that. I'm coming up. I'm coming. Shakespeare only stuck to one subject, but I'll mention no one said. You have to get young Americans some ice cream in that artificial light in which we... In the... In the uh, You have to get young Americans some ice cream in the artificial light in which she woke. Wow.
1: Well, that's another thing. I mean, I like that one a lot. That's a really good one. And there's like these nice pulp. (laughs) There's these nice pop culture kind of references. That's pop culture, too. To me, isn't there like a a couple of those I think are like song references, right? Oh, definitely. Isn't it? I'm coming up. Is that what's going on, I think, with that part? And uh, what, there's a couple other ones. I'm, I'm not looking at it. I probably should be looking at it. Maybe I could remember, which is cool. But the other thing that's nice about sonnets that we haven't talked about that this one does, and actually the Berrigan one did too, is there's also this tradition in sonnets of them being self-aware, right? Them having this reference to the fact that it's a poem in it, even in the traditional sonnets. And yeah. she she definitely does that in here, this, you know, to come in and say, what's what's this, a sonnet, All Right. Um and in the Berrigan one we kind of had the poem being the love object in the Berrigan one, right? But but that's not
0: true.
1: Maybe it's done in a more modern way, but that also is something kind of a tradition of the sonnets. I feel like even in in like Shakespeare's sonnets, you get these moments where it's kind of The poem knows it's being written acknowledging that it's a poem being written as you're as you're reading it, it right? True, yeah. Which is kind of a cool thing. And what a great title Incandescent War, war Poem Sonnet yeah. it. Pretty good Oh and yeah we we'll am get the Chambered Nautilus reference Is that a sonnet? It might be The Wendell Holmes? Is it that, might be Is that Oliver Wendell Holmes? Yeah maybe Is so. that a sonnet too? Get that reference in the beginning Yeah
0: I'd have to look that up I don't know But I, I think I know what you're talking about <laughs> Well, she's like you know, it's like nice. It's like nice to be able to break open, break open the thing and make it more. You know, again, I think she's maybe it's a response to uh, Berrigan doing his thing.
1: She yeah, well, and she wrote some. She wrote all those sonnets when she was younger, and then it's funny. And then like I think a couple years ago, maybe they did a reprint. That was a combination of. All the sonnets she wrote when she was younger, it's like a collection, which I actually should buy. I think it'd be nice to have that all in one place. But I was watching on YouTube uh, an interview she did for some like writing shop, shop where they were asking her about that. And I think she read, she didn't read that one. She read the other one I have on here, whatever that one is. She read it. But then they had people call in and they were asking her about sonnets and all of this and typical Bernadette, she was being very cantankerous about the whole thing. And, and I just remember in the midst of her talking about it she says, you know what I've realized about a sonnet? It's a stupid form. <laughs> because she said, and, and I'm now I don't remember the rest absolutely, but I just remember that because it was just funny, like she's always said, like, it's a stupid form. And she but she said, it's because, because of the closeness of it, right? She says, it because, and it's not really about the poem, it's just about life and the way of thinking about life. It makes you think that there's a solution to things when really there's no solution to anything. Huh. Right? That sounds like a burned-out thing to say, I guess. Um, but But then, of course, the people that were talking to her were like, but why did you write all these sonnets? <laughs> and she was like, I don't know. And I also think that's just her being cantankerous to some extent, because I think she also still continued to write sonnets for a long time, Hmm. so obviously we had something to do with her. But I think it's funny. Well, and that's the thing with these like sonnets escaping the form, right? There's this idea as much as people like the formalness of it, there's this idea of rebelling against it at the same time, too. Well, there's that I don't think it's true, but there's this, like, quote ascribed to Pound, right? But I've never actually seen the quote anywhere where he says, A sonnet is a fascist form. Huh. That might be in Guide to Culture. I don't know. I've never actually found the quote, but I've seen people reference it all the time. And I wonder if it's not one of those things where it's like, It sounds like something he would have said. Yeah. And it just kind of gets passed along. But there's that kind of idea, right? Like, oh, okay, this is so constraining and all of that. And that might be true. But that's also what's beautiful about, like, the modern sonnets because it's retaining some parts of it but but allowing there to be freedom within that. And maybe that's, like, the true way of using a form is, like, yeah, work within that form, but when it's not working for you, bust out of it, right? And And maybe that's the best way to use any kind of form, you true. know? You have that constraint there until the moment where it doesn't work and you need to bust out of it, yeah. and that's great, you know?
0: Yeah, work through it. Yeah, exactly. Work in the form, and then as soon as you master it, you can break through it. I don't know. But
1: I also found this really cool, and I'll put a link to it because you can listen to her read it, thing later on where where Bernadette and, and Philip Good together wrote this sonnet, and it was really cool because they just took 14 words— and then they had to each write a line. It was unclear if they alternated writing lines or how they did it, or they had to write lines with the words in it. And then on the side, next to the sonnet, are just the words in another little little list. So I had my creative writing class do this. We came up with a list of words. Oh, cool. And we made one, made one, imitating Bernadette's Bernadette and Philip Good's sonnet here. Um, I don't know. It was a lot of work because we, we had ten of us, so... I don't know, but this is this is what we got. We got son- I, We didn't come up with a real title, so it's just Sonnet. The cricket wanted nothing but trouble, yet sleep still hammered on the doors of my mind. I danced to the echo of a squeamish voice while the moon hangs heavy with her dusty eyes. A fog looms over this hazy lake. Fireflies boomerang back and forth in the night. Ouch! A paper cut speckles the page. Gooey marshmallow flesh drips into the fire. I can't follow the instructions in this cookbook. Tiger got your tongue. I soak crumpled coffee filters in the bathroom sink. Our rage pirouettes through the hotel room until a man jumps off the roof of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love the twist at the end there. Yeah, that's a good end. That's a good ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was waiting.
0: I was actually closing my eyes to actually envision The whole thing, like in my mind, and then you get you got me at the end.
1: (laughs) It's a a little scattered, which is, I think, something that comes from collaborative things. I think if you if you look at the model, and it's a little scattered too. But that's also just a fun exercise to write with someone in a form. Is always easier if you're going to do a collaborative poem too. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta let go, and you gotta assert. You know, that's that when you're doing a collaborative thing, especially collaborative science. I mean, Christ,
1: yeah. Well, it's easier to do a collaborative loose sonnet like that than if you're trying to do a collaborative sonnet in traditional form. Definitely. Probably. Well, I don't know. And then there's a lot of people still continuing this. Um I mean, I think in recent do you memory Yeah. Like I think you know what? That was only like 2 years ago. I think it was in 2016. I think it was like just as the Trump stuff was going on and he has a lot of pretty anti-Trump stuff in there that are good is Terence Hayes, Terence Hayes yeah. has his book um, American Sonnets and uh, I remember when that came out. Yeah, it's here. it's really good, man. I mean, I, I there's so much of it that's excellent and I mean it's just a showcase of like what you can do with that form. And he's working like I know he's like coming off of Wanda Coleman's American Sonnet kind of thing. Um which I don't like as much, honestly. I really like his way of doing it better i mean some of hers are pretty good but the idea is she was thinking of them as jazz sonnets and it was all about like finding a rhythm and just improvising off of things and again it's more like about it's 14 lines but you're improvising the forms kind of loose you can you can do what you want to do with it uh within that but but for her, it's like what makes the form was like the rhythm, and I think that's what Terrence Hayes is really doing, doing with these. But they're pretty nice. I think maybe we should read one of those before well, we so end our all, discussion all here. All
0: tell the same thing?
1: Yeah, every single one is what a American sonnet, sonnet night, my past, past and future, and future assassin. Stuff. Yeah, and a lot of it's about like I mean they're very timely, right? A lot of it, but in a way that. That sounds like a terrible idea in some ways. A lot of it's like about the situation of America being in crisis right now, which to me sounds like a concept that's never going to work. But then he makes it work. He really does, you know. I think, well, let's hear one of them. I'm going to read this first one here.
0: American Sonnet for My Past and Future Assassin by Terence Hayes. I lock you in an American sonnet that is park prison, park panic closet, A little room in a house set aflame I lock you in a form that is part music box Part meat grinder To separate the song of the bird from the bone I lock your persona in a dream-inducing sleeper hold While your better selves watch from the bleachers I make you both Jim and Crow here As the Crow, you undergo a beautiful catharsis Trapped one night in the shadows of the gym. As the gym, the feel of crow shit dropping to your floors is not unlike the stars falling from the pep rally posters on your walls. I make you a box of darkness and a bird in its heart. Voltas of acoustics, instinct, and metaphor. It is not enough to love you. It is not enough to want you destroyed.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much. That's. The best piece. I, that's the it's best. So it's mean, sonnet it from today. It's so good. <laughs> but I mean, it's like. But again, like he's also doing the self-conscious sonnet thing. There's the references to it being a sonnet. It knows the yeah. volta's and everything, which is wonderful. But then the way he works in, I mean, that's that's like I, I kind of am really amazed that he gets that Jim Crow stuff to work in there. It seems like that would be a bad idea, but he really makes that work. It's the, it's the juxtapositions he puts next to it. It's great. But then it's also like – I think the whole series has this nice thing. Not all of them are, but a lot of them are addressing America, right? It's like the, the person who is being addressed is America, which is yeah. a great concept too for a sonnet. And it's <laughs> – I mean, not every single one is like well, it's, that.
0: It's addressing America, but it's also the past and future assassin, which is also America.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think that is what that is, right? Yeah. Because that's the idea, right? It's it's trying to kill you. Yeah. It's not on your I side. Like that one, man, that's
0: the best song so far today.
1: I mean, I would say that of all of them, I I mean, that's a really good one. But I think of of all of them I think 3 out of every 4 of them that I've read are excellent. Yeah. There's one every now and then there's one that doesn't quite work as well and a lot of them are still all right, you know. I mean it's really good as far as like someone doing that right now. I think it's going to be hard for someone else to
0: yeah
1: write a sonnet sequence for a little while cuz he's maybe uh made it made it work. Yeah. Capture the capture the imagination of the time, the guys... Well, I think it, it was it came out at a perfect time when people were were worried about that, and it was the right field for it to come out in. But he did it in a good way. It's not like to harken back to our political poems episode. That's how you write a political poem.
0: Yeah.
1: Because that's a political poem, but it's it not is. telling you what to think. No. It's just like an expression of frustration and. But in a beautiful way at the same time, you know, like that's a political poem. <laughs> I like that. But <laughs> but and then I guess we have, uh, what are you going to say? Oh, no, yeah, sonnets. I don't know. What were you going to say? No, I think, and then we have like, you
0: know, we have our trickster sonnets. I guess our trickster, our, our, our people playing with form or structure, the actually kind of a concrete poem. I would I would say that this, the the um poem you have here, the Nothing in That Drawer by Ron Padgett is a concrete
1: poem. Well, that's a sonnet, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a sonnet for sure. I think we talked about this one before in a previous episode, but maybe not in the reference of it being a sonnet.
0: I think we have talked about this one, but the, um, yeah, Nothing in that Drawer, Nothing in that Drawer, Nothing in that Drawer, Nothing in that Drawer, Nothing in that Drawer.
1: No, but it's, but it's you know, but it's, so the title's Nothing in that Drawer. Yeah. It's like... Nothing in that drawer, 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 nothing in that drawer. Did I hit fourteen yet? I don't know. But that's the brilliance of it to me, is Yeah, it yeah, I mean in that sense it is a concrete plumbing. Yeah, it looks It looks like a chest of drawers, right? And you imagine someone pulling out each drawer. Although then it's also like Amazing, because that would be a huge chest of drawers if it had 14 drawers, but... I <laughs> I've
0: got a drawer. I've got a, I've got a chest of
1: drawers. Well,
0: not quite chest of drawers. I got, <laughs> a I've got a shelf. Type
1: 14. <laughs> got a got a 14 cabinet. Shelf 14 shelf type drawer. cabinet. A 14-shelf type cabinet. But it's also like... But that's also getting at the heart of this whole sonnet structure thing at the same time, right? That a sonnet is this... Imagining a sonnet as a chest of drawers is almost about right, right? Like, that's kind of the feeling yeah. of it. It's got this very rigid sort of thing but i mean it's that's almost the perfect metaphor but you can put anything in those drawers but well, only 14 things but he's made the shell of a sonnet right like it's it's a it's all drawers <laughs> with nothing in them which is kind of amazing i mean that i don't know that might be one of the most perfect of those kind of concept <laughs> poems that i can possibly imagine right because of that it's it's got the simple physical level, but then as its commentary on what a sonnet is, is kinda great too. Yeah. I thought you were gonna which I don't know if that's a sonnet itself. I thought you were getting ready to talk about that Steve McCaffrey thing. Oh well that's
0: funny too. That's a visual poem.
1: <laughs> we'll put it up on the show notes. Yeah. But like Steve that. McCaffrey has this funny structure of a sonnet visual poem. Envelopes and paper, and it's pretty good. But again, same thing. I think talking about it. In a similar way, right? Sonnets are these interesting letters. That's another good metaphor. Like, It's this very structured thing when people used to write physical letters on stationery, right? You kind of had your prescribed size and everything. But then there's so much variation within that. Your paper and whether you're Writing in ink or typewriting, or what you're doing to write your letters, and all the, the all the, it's the same thing as a chest of drawers, right? It's structured, but all this freedom inside of the structure. And I guess that's the nice thing about a sonnet when it really comes down to it is, yes, it's got a structure, but you know, whether Pound said that or not, I don't know that it's really right that it's a fascist form because. The beauty of it is, there's so much freedom inside of that structure, and you can also choose to give yourself more freedom of it because you—it's only as structured as you want to make it to some extent. True. I mean, that's
0: what this whole podcast has been about, right? You can—you can have all sorts of different sonnets and forms. You can—you can stick in this sort of new formalist sort of iambic pentameter as an exercise, as something that's sort of a puzzle to solve. Uh, again, the, the empty chest of drawers that you fill it up perfectly with every little thing in each place. Or you can kind of, like, make it this um, this uh, sort of creative space where it's, okay, like, what's the real structure of all of it? Even McCaffrey, even Paget, every one, they all have 14 lines. Yeah! I mean, even the, even the yeah. McCaffrey has 14 lines. Yeah! So... <laughs> Which,
1: which is funny, so really at the end of the day it comes back to 14. Which is, which is great, though. And then, and then there's so much other things about it that there's a lot of... The, the other thing I like about it is, by having that form it reminds you that poetry is an artifice. Right? And you can take it to one extreme or not, you can be self-referential to the fact that you're writing a poem like a lot of them do, or you can be really sincere and effusive like how do i love thee let me count the ways right you can be really effusive and sincere there's a lot of room in that direction inside of it too but you can't escape the fact that it's a, that it's an artificial form which is i think important to remember with any work of art right we're we're not <laughs> you're still walking a tightrope playing a game putting on a little show right you're not <laughs> <laughs> You're still trying to fill in the form. Yeah, and you got You You've got to use the stage that you have, right? You've got to put your show on on the stage that you have, and there's limitations that come with that always. But we just trick ourselves into thinking we don't have limitations sometimes. Free verse has limitations, right? All the time, you just don't necessarily see them. I still want to see if I can find this fucking sonnet that I wrote. <laughs> You oh think it's friend. on the internet somewhere? Oh, is all Jabberwocky on the internet?
0: No, no. But you think but you I'm might have sent, it somewhere? I
1: sent it once upon a time to my friend, but... Alright, well, we'll stick it in here if you find no, it right now. I, or if I, you find it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to pull the old Jabberwocky. I gotta see, but it's probably like my parents' attic. I bet I have that high school stuff. I don't know if it would be interesting to see that. It's I, high school, son.
0: I bet it's going to pop up somewhere. I'm gonna. I'm going to... I'm going to find it. Maybe not today, but I'm going to find it. You're
1: going to find it as soon as I leave here, probably. Yep. It's a a companion
0: sonnet. I mean, I can just tell you. I remember it. But anyways,
1: anyway. Well, listeners, maybe try writing a sonnet. might be fun to do, however you do it. Yeah, I want to write a sonnet. I'm going to write one. I want to write one tonight. I'm not even going to... I shouldn't even say this because I'm going to give it away. But I was like, you know, be kind of cool... To just do, has anyone done a series of New Orleans sonnets? Oh, man. Just uh, New Orleans sonnets. I'm done. It would be kind of cool. Has anyone done that? I, don't, no, I mean, I, I don't know of it. There'd be a lot of room to do some stuff with that, I think. Oh, a lot of room. Don't take my idea. Copyright, Joseph B. Avenue, 2018. New Orleans sonnets. Wait, you didn't even write them yet. It <laughs> is my concept. concept. <laughs> The sonic is as old I don't as think you can. Like, I guess I can't really copyright 12, that concept 13, No, but New Orleans Sonics, thats 13th my concept. concept. <laughs> I don't think you can copyright a, con, a con,
0: like a concept like that. New
1: Orleans mm-hmm. sonnets. Plus,
0: you'd have no you
1: have no money to make anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I just don't want someone to do it before me. <laughs> I'm <gonna> do it. <laughs> I don't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not worried about you doing it before me. <laughs> but you should still write
0: a sonnet. No, I I I feel I'm feeling inspired to write, write more lately. So um I've been writing I've been writing uh a, a
1: little bit. Um I feel like there are some events to tell people about this week, but I can't remember what they are. Aren't there some readings coming up? <laughs> I have no idea. It's
0: like the end of August.
1: I feel like so I just saw a bunch of readings. I think maybe there's something at Dogfish that was good, but I can't remember what it is. Are they starting back up, I think, possibly? Well,
0: you know what? There's, there's, I think the readings that I know of, there's been some reading that's been kind of cruising here and there. Music and poetry is Bar, bar Redux has been a thing. Mega oh, Bert, that,
1: that was Man one versus. of them. Yeah, there's a Bar Redux thing happening soon. Man I think maybe this weekend. A-
0: Megan Burns is going to move her reading series uh, from uh, BJ's to the new space on Saint Claude, formerly known as Codex, thirty nine twenty one Saint Claude, called the Dragonfly. Um, there's Dogfish Head. Uh, I mean, Dogfish, dogfish reading. Head. <laughs> dogfish Head. are comb- combining it with Doghead beer. Doghead beer. Dogfish. Dogfish reading series. And there's the Rubber Flower Poetry Hour. Um, oh okay. yeah,
1: Rubber Flower. That's the other thing. Next Wednesday is Rubber Next Flower. Next Wednesday. Rubber Flower. They pop. are going to be. We can plug them. Where are they? Oh, let's see if I can find it. um, They're at a new new temporary location. They're at 1313 Independence. It's next Wednesday, and uh, Cameron is going to be one of the readers.
0: Yeah, that's right. Former. So
1: that's one of the things I was thinking of, but I just couldn't place it. Yeah. So that's happening. Um, I feel like there's a couple of readings. I think maybe there's something at Crescent City getting ready to come up, too. Uh, A bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's a good... It's After this lull of very little summer poetry readings going on. We're already getting back into the swing and things in in the beginning of September. Right? It's all it takes. August ends, and then it's like boom. I know. All this stuff starts
0: happening. It'll be before September fifteenth and the end of the month. I mean, September's not even. So it's what Saturday.
1: Gosh. Ah, um, okay. So go see some poetry readings. Yeah, it's gonna be a hearty. It's gonna be a hearty fall. I can feel it. All right. Well, we'll see y'all all again next week. Uh... Anything else you want to say? It's been another episode of No Good Poetry. See you next week.